Namaste and welcome to Indian Entrepreneur. I am your host Shweth Nag. For the past 12 weeks on our first season Victory Against the Odds, we presented you the stories of 12 performing artists and how they overcame the dilemma and challenges in their journey. We now move to our second season, The Resilient Entrepreneurs. In this podcast season, we speak to the entrepreneurs in the field of performing arts. We uncover many interesting stories of these resilient entrepreneurs to understand their challenges. We all know how entrepreneurs connect the dots and offer products and services to improve the status quo. So we thought it is important to bring the entrepreneur stories and their viewpoints. But before we begin, remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Kala Tapasya for quick updates. You definitely need to become an entrepreneur in the classical art space if you get excited by the power of the intangible. You have to have that sense of wonderment and you recognize that you are growing as a brand and that one day this will translate into something big that will pay back financially. Then yes, so it needs that kind of an endurance. On our first episode, we have Akila Krishnamurthy, the founder of Ala. Akila Krishnamurthy is a freelance journalist and the founder of Alap, a boutique arts management company based in Chennai. Akila founded Alap after a 15-year career in journalism where she worked across leading publications in India including the Times of India where she was the editor of all the supplements. As a freelance writer, Akila has contributed essays and features across The Hindu, The India Today Group, Outlook, Tehelka, Open and Shruti. So let's talk to Akila Krishnamurthy. Hi Akila, welcome to Indian Entrepreneur. It's our pleasure to have you on uh, this entrepreneur series. It's the first episode, so I'm so excited to have you uh, with us. Thank you so much for inviting me uh, for this very interesting uh, series and for giving me this honor. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. So my first question to you, Akila, is in 2011, you were working for the Times of India as an editor of supplements. And then one day, although I say one day, it could be a lot of decisions behind that. One day you decide to quit your job. What made you take that decision? What was going on in your mind? Well, the thing is that I became uh, uh, an editor fairly young, even if I say so myself. And of course, the context of definition of young has changed uh, in today's uh, world. But I was 28 when I was um, entrusted with that responsibility. I was given a fairly large team and I had to put uh, literally 16 supplements uh, to print every week. It was a daunting task, but it also came at a time when, uh, you know, I was um, I had time on my hands and I had a burning desire to sort of pursue and make a career happen. Uh, but I did that for about um, six, seven years. And then I felt that I had reached a certain um, uh, sort of saturation point, as they say. I felt that uh, every week was becoming the same. And I think in hindsight, I have something like the seven year itch. Uh, and I feel I often get bored uh, with anything that I do for seven years. Hopefully, I continue to be married. It's 17 years. But every once every seven years, I still have an itch in my marriage as well. Uh, but okay. I think I had reached that certain um, a point in my uh, career where I felt I needed to do something just a little more, something just a little more challenging, something that was a little more meaningful. And uh, I also felt that even though there was a great amount of dynamism in my job, because I was really working on 16 supplements that were very, very different in nature, mm -hmm. I felt that I needed, uh, it was still becoming a bit monotonous, despite the dynamism of the range of supplements I was creating and working with. I felt there was a certain monotony setting in. So one evening, literally, uh, you're right in saying it was literally a one evening. One evening, I finished work and I literally met my boss who was very kind and understanding. And I think he understood my creative um, urges and pursuits and my dilemma. And he said, okay, if this is what you want, with the heavy heart, we let you go. And I literally, like two months later, I after serving a notice period, I quit. Generally, when we think of quitting a job, 
we think of the finances like the emi was this a major concern in your case well my husband often jokes around that uh, i get to uh, be impulsive and instinctive simply because he uh, has a steady job he's stayed in the same job for 21 years um okay yeah so he's uh, a more sort of an anchored sort i'm a more a bit of a free spirit and i think in a marriage one needs to uh, have a yeah, bit always. of both yeah um so i think the fact that he was sort of um, anchored in a certain way financially uh, also gave me the courage to quit and pursue what yes. i wanted but of course when i quit i had no idea what why i quit or uh, i mean what i was going to do after i quit but yes. in general uh, i am also uh, the type of person who likes taking risks and i follow my instincts and i see my instincts through so i don't get afraid of i don't feel afraid to you know um say yes to something uh which i invariably i invariably say yes to almost everything and then i'm like okay now that i'm in the well let me see how i can swim i am not the type who will say that okay if i j- jumped into this well how am i going to swim so emis these are not the type of things that cross my mind i'm like i need to do this i have one life i will just go for it and i would somehow make it work which is what i have done with alap i have still made it work excellent so excellent. um that's how it works for me yes and if i am correct you are a leo by zodiac sign that's right you really seem to have done yes. your research thank you yes i yes. am did you ever dream to be an entrepreneur uh, you know before all these 7 years or 8 years you were with uh, the times of india can you tell us uh, what made you shift from an employee mindset to an employer mindset because was it the control person in you i mean you wanted to get more control or or is it value driven hindsight shwetna i think that i enjoy uh, being the one who calls the shots i do enjoy okay. being at okay. the helm of something uh, but Very when good. i quit okay. it was not because i wanted to become an entrepreneur or i wanted to move from an employee mindset to an employer mindset i had none of those uh, ideas i quit and for literally like 6 months after that i was busy um, writing voraciously across different publications and my husband mm-hmm. would often tell me that you're never going to be able to make the money that you did in that job by trying to freelance right so uh, so i'm definitely not uh, the type to answer your question that i wanted okay. to sort of be in control because in my job actually to be very honest okay. i was pretty much the boss uh, and my mm. boss was literally the a uh, person who headed the sales head so i didn't even have an editorial boss so i had complete freedom it was a great job in hindsight if i think that i would i would have built two houses in chennai today if i had not done <laughs> what i did um but i wanted to really uh, i had reached like i said a saturation point saturation. i wanted to yeah. explore i wanted to see if i could do something interesting uh if a corporate gig that was more interesting had come by my way i might have taken it um, nothing came my way that was exciting enough and therefore uh, when an idea occurred to me i decided to just jump in and make that idea happen can you tell us something about your childhood where did you grow up what made you go towards journalism well i grew up in a place which does not even exist in the map of india i grew up in a okay. small uh, little town little village called avarpur which is actually a, a, a small village where my father worked for a cement factory and there was a township around it and uh, avarpur is about 60 kilometers from a a uh, town city called balarsha which is on the chennai delhi route so it's on the uh, out it's on the um, border of uh, maharashtra and andhra pradesh so i grew up um, my childhood was spent in a small township where everyone knew each other uh, there were uh, different um, uh, people from across different um, uh you know uh, states of india uh, people who came there because their parents worked for uh, the cement industry and i grew up in a very very uh, uh, you know sort of closed environment where you know very little traffic so much nature around free play was encouraged my um, second language was marathi um hindi was almost my literally like my first language um so i grew up in a very uh, uh, far removed from the life that i live now I grew up my childhood was very very relaxed and free and um, unhurried 
uh it's ironical i live a very very fast paced life now so i grew up in a very small uh, little town and we play finish school uh we play go out to play badminton my brother and i would cycle around the entire township um there would be like parties every day parties under the moon um celebrate all festivals get invitations to different people's homes people would always keep coming home there was constantly music uh, an orchestra like it was a very big thing that back in the day i'm talking about um late 80s early 90s like orchestras from nagpur and chandrapur and all would come and perform so i was hugely like influenced by um, cinema music especially old hindi cinema because my parents um, are very big fans of uh, old hindi cinema music and of course there was a dance teacher in um, avarpur she was incidentally a um, student of the kalakshetra and she was our school's dance teacher so i learned dance from her and there was another lady called ruma adhikari who would teach uh, hindustani music so i learned hindustani music from her as well uh, but my childhood was very very uh, laid back and uh, a very chilled out sort of uh, childhood that i had yeah and how did you move towards journalism then i moved to chennai to uh, pursue my college uh, and i studied english literature in selamaris college and i knew that uh, i was interested in um, writing definitely and i was also inherently a very very people person i suppose because i grew up in a small village where uh, you know everybody would know everyone else i was always curious about people about cultures about languages about food um, you know about traditions um, and so i feel that journalism inherently is about a nose for news and you definitely need to have an inherent sense of curiosity to become a journalist and i think the fact that i was inherently always um, curious about people i would ask them many questions um and the fact that i was interested in writing sort of made it the obvious kind of decision i took soon after i finished my graduation i pursued a masters in communication at uh, mop vaishnav college which is attached to the madras university here and i went on to pursue my career in journalism and i also went on to work parallelly as i studied journalism i started my career with um, z news and i would report oh. uh, uh, crime and politics as a young intern at that point and then of course i moved more towards features journalism and uh, what kind of student were you akila uh, were you very serious uh, and always studying or were you like okay i studied but i am also enjoying my life you had a good balance right from your student days you know i think i'm a bit of a sitting on the fence type of person uh, and i think that helps me now in hindsight in everything that i do because i'm neither here nor there i study hard definitely and i would like to be always in the toppers set of thing but i also love to enjoy life so i kind of straddled between uh, the struggle to want to be on top and not bunk college but also want to bunk college and miss out on like not um, making it to, to distinction so that struggle was real for me uh but i somehow i think um i have in hindsight i think uh, always been a good multitasker so i think i managed to study hard um earn a fairly good uh, name in college as well okay. and uh, okay. also uh, have a lot of fun and get caught by the principal and get warned for bunking classes and all of that as well you worked at the times of india and uh, quickly navigated the ladder to become an editor of supplements what qualities in you back then you think made you grow so fast i want to understand the journalism world is it because you be creative and they appreciate you or because you are more uh, organized person you organize things better and you have a good overview that made you grow faster you know or is it a combination of both sometimes it's really about being at the right place at the right time and uh, if you have proven that uh, uh that you are capable mm-hmm. and the person who is hiring you has a risk taking mindset and you happen to be there right in front of them then sometimes you just life just gives you that opportunity and i think that that's what happened in my case my boss had quit i had learned the ropes from her um and i had taken a little break as well and my boss was scouting around for someone and he casually called me one day and he was desperate to find somebody and he was telling me that i really need to find someone who could fit this bill 
and then he looked at me and he said maybe i'm sitting right in front of that person and i was like boss are you sure me like it's i'm 28 years old and it's a big role and he said something tells me that you can do it and i said i'll do it and i literally like jumped in and uh, uh sort of took it up so i think in some ways um the fact that i had uh, consistently learned the ropes and while learning the ropes i had sh- definitely shown a sense of earnestness that had got people's attention um so when they felt that the time was right um they felt the sort of uh, confidence to be able to invest in me and i think i had also the uh the risk taking ability to jump in and say okay now i'll just do it because half the people that i had uh, i suddenly became the boss and half the people that suddenly had to report into me were people who would treat me like this young little junior and boss me around and i was like now that you know that uh, the tables have turned it's going to be strange but i'll do it nonetheless so so yeah life is uh, really strange you never know like what will come like you know so i think that's how it happened actually that's a really good story i mean uh, i could imagine your colleagues and your situation very difficult you know now we go back to that you quit journalism one day you decide to start a company how did you get this particular idea and how did you go about it how did you name it alap where did the name come from i mean so i quit my job sometime in may and i started okay. alap in october the same year and i literally started alap uh, after drinking coffee at a coffee shop called sangeeta which is a coffee shop i go every day after a run and i knew i wanted to do something that married my interest in the performing arts with my experience in journalism so this much i knew and i was always keen to start a magazine a very very high end magazine that did justice to the classical performing arts um and where i could use my experience in journalism to craft a beautiful looking magazine and uh, i really can't remember how the name came but it literally just came and i said uh, i'm going to go back i was in a hurry when i was finishing the coffee because i knew that i was struck by an idea that i had to immediately realize so i remember walking back home with with urgency in my footsteps and going to my uh, uh, desktop and just creating a folder and literally i just typed alap because i felt that alap did justice to um, uh, it it had a very very instantly you know that it's something in the space of the arts um you also know that it's something like it's something that people sing before they actually sing it's like a starter to a main course and i was in that stage where i didn't know what i wanted but i was starting up um so it fit so many bills and later a bengali friend of mine told me that alap in bengali means introduction so i thought it's uh-huh. how beautiful it is that it sort of fits us uh, it has so many different beautiful meanings so i literally started alap like that and i knew that i wanted to start with a magazine and everything literally that i have done thereafter has grown has grown organically like i have not i did not when i created that folder it's not like i thought that i'm going to uh, define alap as a boutique arts consulting and management company or any anything like that i thought i would start a magazine and uh, so i just called it an initiative in the performing arts that's how i defined alap in the beginning i just said it's just an initiative in the performing arts and so the definition of alap has literally evolved over the last 8 years and i think that if i if i manage to stay around for 8 more years you're going to see a completely different definition of alap 8 uh, years later i do think also that's uh, partly got to do with my uh, my inherent nature which is um, fairly flexible which is um, a fitting in sort of personality i'd like to think that um, that i enjoy like being with older people and i enjoy being with children and i enjoy being with uh, you know older women and younger women so i think that in some ways um, my inherent flexibility to uh, always uh, mingle see what people are looking for uh, make myself you know useful in that space i think in some ways has also helped alap remain uh, an organization that freely flows 
then you are in the real world of commerce and accountancy and everything right did you then start okay because when you get down registering a business you have this one man company partnership company limited company non profit did you ever get on to this kind of uh, dilemma okay what should i register alap as i did and i decided okay. uh, alap is a partnership firm uh, and my okay. mother is my uh, partner i brought her on board because uh, she's really my lucky charm and also my strength really and my greatest uh, support system and i felt that uh, uh, she's a homemaker shwetnag but i think she has one of the most um, entrepreneurial kind of brains um which is anything even on the home front if i tell her that you know there is a little problem up the ceiling and we need to fix it in some way she has the ability to think out of the box and find a solution for it and often i think homemakers go unrecognized uh because they don't Absolutely. get paid for it or they don't demand a payment for it so i felt that i had to honor her entrepreneurial ability uh which had in, in a sense gotten wasted uh by making her a partner and uh bringing her on board so alap is a par- partnership firm and i remember that when i met a chartered accountant to register it he asked me what is the nature of the business and i said i'm going to be working with classical artists and he said avungloda vela pandrathu romba kashtame means it's very very difficult to work with them why would you choose this business and i said he happened to be a friend of my father's and i said i don't know uncle i have just started i let me see i will figure it out as i go along i mean i he's not my chartered accountant anymore but uh, if at all i meet him some day i definitely like to tell him that i've managed to sustain for 8 years <laughs> really good answer akila yes so then uh, did you start all up as a physical space or how did you go about that particular thing you know um so i started alap as a work from home uh, uh sort of thing uh, i hired Lean one startup guy. yeah it was literally a startup in the premises of my home um uh, uh i used to teach uh, journalism at a college and uh, one of the girls there was keen to join alap and she was my first employee pile chabria i hired her and uh, she would come home every day and uh, we started off firstly with the magazine so she had experience she she had studied journalism as well and so literally we would hang around the whole day figuring out what we wanted to do because uh it's not like we'd got a whole bunch of clients and stuff like that but ironically the first year of alap was the year that we made the most money ever fantastic was it you made more money so it was revenues coming in right yes so that's very good uh, who was your mentor after starting all up i'd like to think that i'm basically a sort of uh, self motivated type of person and i draw inspiration literally from every single person i meet like today i'm meeting you and i'm amazed that you're uh, you know you have a full time career and you're doing this on the side so i feel like i have lessons to learn to be inspired literally from everyone and you need to remember shwetnagar i work with artists and they are obviously creatively amongst the most the highest of the highest order so literally every day i end up having conversations with artists and mostly i work with women and so many women that i talk to who are artists juggle uh, raising children um being a great teacher uh, having rehearsals putting out shows um thinking creatively um it's imp- impossible for me not to remain motivated when i am working with a bunch of heavily motivated people heavily creatively inspired people so i think i don't have one mentor i think every single person that i meet with i write about i work with inspires and influences me in one way or the other i sort of like to think of myself as a storehouse of many identities and many influences i draw from all of them and they culminate and they simmer within me and then i feel like at the right time i'm kind of like drawing energy from them all excellent what is your leadership style more a detail oriented person or you keep the overview and delegate you know what do you, what works for you i'm a micromanager i can never let go i uh, i'm very detail oriented and this is something that i learned from my career as a journalist uh shwetnag and i think it's a 
I don't, um, many people might find it really annoying, but I feel that Allah's strength is the fact that um, I do believe that the God is in the detail. And I think that uh, uh, the fact that I have not delegated is also one of Allah's successes because there is nothing, nothing that you see uh, that would go without me actually having seen it. Um, so there is absolutely, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not proud of it, but I'm not a good delegator at all. I like to put myself in everything that is done and everything that I do. And I also get into details as much as possible in everything that I do. And this is, um, you know, something that I learned from journalism. I used to have an editor when I worked um, for about three years in India today. Um, there was an editor who once told me, and I'd written a piece on, I think, a bunch of cinematographers. And I had got a quote from Amitabh Bachchan for that story. And uh, she had told me that um, it was just one sentence, one quote. And, I, and she told me that, you know, when you do a story, you have to even know literally when is the last time he used the bathroom. You know, you have to get into that much detail. Your story is not complete unless you have all the detail. What you tell the reader is another thing. But you need to, as a journalist, accumulate all those notes. And today when I work on Alap as well, I often think about how important detailing is. Because in many ways, um, when you come from a position of knowing everything that you need to, then you have the power to sieve through and allow the reader to glance and look at what is required. But if they were to push you, asking you for detail, you know that you have it. You are in a sense covered. So I definitely think that I am hands-on with Alap. I literally, Alap is literally like my baby and that's what I've talked about in my TEDx talk as well. It's literally like my baby, like how you hold a baby and you don't let the baby drop, right? Um, you Even if you have like somebody overseeing the baby, whether it's your mother or you have a hired nanny, you're always in some ways watching the baby, you're in control of what's going on. And I think like Alap is like that for me. Nothing goes without me looking at it and being completely convinced that it's worth going, worth being seen in, in a certain way. No, that is very good what you're saying because that adds quality to your products. I know that it can be, with that answer, I know how exhaustive your days can be because on one side you need to manage the incoming business opportunities. You need to execute the on existing uh, priorities to put it that way. And somehow I feel your value chain, the people working below you, not within your organization, your suppliers or whoever it is, they have their own priorities and they have certain way of handling things, you know, then being on top of it and being literally managing to details. And I think you have a, a family to take care after getting back from work and then you need to do this and deliver your products and services. I mean, services in this case. I think you're, you're having a very exhaustive days every day. I could see that, you know. Yes and no, because okay. uh, journalism also trained me for uh, being able to endure long work days. Um, mm. You know, it's a different kind of an industry. In many ways, I feel journalism and the arts industry are similar because there are, there are no weekends. If, you know, um, if a fire broke out on Sunday, I can't tell my family that I can't go, uh, I, I'll come and report, I write about this fire accident day after tomorrow, right? As a journalist, you have to be available like 24-7. And I think the arts industry also is in a certain way like that, where there are no real weekends and stuff. So I think journalism gave me a good foundation to um, um, be able to handle the sort of unorganized space of the arts. Uh, but within that, over the last two years, Shwetnag, I have tried to um, find my balance. I have learned to uh, say no. I have built boundaries. I have uh, uh, been conscious about what and who I work with. Um, so while you say exhaustive, yes, they're exhaustive. But I, I have also managed to make them very productive and also find time to do so many other things that I feel I was not able to do in the first three, four years of our lap. Okay. So now you got better into this and managing things. That's, that's a good thing. 
and uh, now we will shift a little bit you know uh, people who follow you on instagram obviously know that you are a voracious reader of novels do you also read a lot of business or self help books i do uh, every uh, once in a while uh, my most favorite self help book is a book called atomic habits by james clear i'm a huge fan of that book and it's really a book that reinforces the importance and the imperativeness of habits about how you uh, identify and cultivate a habit and you basically stick with it and i think that that's a very very par- simple but powerful idea and i often read that book over and over again parts of it because um uh, i think uh, we all need uh, consistency in our life the most important thing is to be consistent in whatever pursuits we embark upon so um I do read self-help books once in a while but uh, not in the frequency that I should be perhaps as an entrepreneur <laughs> I prefer reading um, fiction more Who are your favorite fiction authors I'm a huge uh, fan of uh, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie she's a writer Nigerian author based in America and uh, she writes a lot on um, the idea of identity and feminism both ideas that really intrigue and fascinate me uh she is definitely one of my uh, favorite um, authors um more recently i've been reading a lot of books that are either by female authors or are celebrating feminine voices in their work and it's almost uh, subconsciously i suppose i'm drawn to books like these because i feel that women's voices need to be heard more and more and i feel that we need to celebrate writing by women writing about women and more people need to access writing like this so that's what i've been reading a lot of late fantastic uh, i'll give you a situation and you need to choose only one option um, book by your favorite author a holiday ticket to your favorite destination watching a long awaited movie of your favorite actor pick one i would pick okay. just going to my favorite destination i'll just make sure that i carry my laptop with netflix on it and my favorite book in it so i'll go and watch the sunset on the beach and read and then go back to my hotel room and watch my favorite actor in his favorite film <laughs> yes So October 2012 you officially launched Alap. Uh who was your first customer and I want to know what was your pitch to your first customer? How long did it take to get your first customer? Actually my first customers were two people. One was um, a printing press where uh, an ex colleague of mine in the Times of India had a printing press so around the same time that i had quit my job at the times of india he had quit to join back his family business so his father uh was interested in the arts and i remember casually meeting him after i officially named my company and didn't know what else to do with it i remember meeting um, my friend's father and i was telling him that i want to start this high end magazine and i'm really excited about it and i know what i want but i just don't have somebody to fund it and i'm wondering what to do and he said i will take care of the first uh, lot of the printing costs for the first edition i will absorb he said go ahead and do it and i thought that was huge because the printing of alap the way i had envisaged the magazine was really high quality and that gave me a lot of confidence to actually give life to my dream so i went ahead and formally launched the magazine on uh, december 26th 2012 uh, incidentally i launched it at the natyakala conference which is a dance conference uh, by the krishnagana sabha which is a prestigious institution in chennai uh, incidentally uh, my other first customer my other customer parallelly was a dancer called priyadarshini govind who was who is also a friend and at that point she had been appointed as the curator of that conference and she was um, you know casually talking to me sometime in october and telling me that she needed some support in uh, putting this conference together 
and at that point neither she nor i had any idea in terms of what exactly she meant when she said support whether she needed help in curation or she needed help in um, putting out communication for the conference whatever it was i was like let's do it and we slowly started working on a design we started working on curation we started working on the publicity uh, we created a facebook page for the uh, event and finally we managed the event and the event was a huge success because there was a certain buzz about um, the five days of the conference and on the first day we launched the magazine as well so um, so that's how my first uh, pitch really was to both these people who were in a certain way i think they made a pitch actually and i jumped at it and i think that in a certain way the natikala conference uh, along with the launch of the magazine launched alaps career in a certain way it became the launch pad for our career because we got instant visibility in the form of an event and we had a tangible product for people to experience and understand so uh, this alap magazine is it uh, subscription based or how does it go uh... i had to close the magazine after about um, 18 editions it was okay. a bi-monthly magazine and it was okay. a commentary based magazine it was produced in high quality and what i did initially in the first two years of alap was every time the magazine would have a particular theme so it was a themed magazine so the second edition of the uh, magazine for instance was on the idea of instruments so every time i had to launch the magazine i would launch an event around the idea of the theme so the second edition for instance i created a i created an event called a sound experience where i had uh, six instrumentalists perform for 12 minutes to demonstrate for audiences the potential and the possibilities of that instrument so and everybody who came i gave away the magazine for free um much later though i evolved a subscription model but unfortunately i realized that people don't have the appetite to pay for the arts even though the magazine was only 90 rupees people were not willing to pay that money uh, for a magazine they'd rather like have it free so after 18 editions uh, of toiling hard and somehow making it work by getting sponsors and advertisers and all of that i had to give it up because it became very difficult for me to be an editor and the sales head for the magazine at the same time so at some point uh, i decided to shut the magazine also because by then alap had become uh, more uh, a an arts management company and so our the course of our direction was also beginning to slightly shift okay coming to that topic of payment uh, do any of your customer think that they can get your services for free how is it in general uh, with customers paying for the services they get get from you do they haggle a lot well we must understand that uh, in a certain way uh, when i started alap it was a a new idea so up until then artists had not been used to actually paying for ideas paying for design uh paying for publicity uh paying for social media management these were not things that they were ever used to and i think it takes uh clients some getting used to and it also took me some time to understand how i convince them that uh uh the whole idea of money and value right that if you're getting value then you've got to pay for it and it took me some time and it took me a couple of um, rounds of doing things for free for them to see value in it and then saying that time is money and just the way that you get paid for your art what i am doing also needs to get compensated so i definitely think that we have come a long way in uh, uh, creating some shifts in the industry because because it alaps one of alaps goals was also to see how we can create professional working systems and processes in what is a fairly unorganized space and i think that we've come uh, far uh, people still don't understand that um, ideas cost money uh, and i have also learned how to work around it uh, i don't uh, give an idea away over the phone which i used to before i'm conscious about how i give the idea away i've learned and understood the importance of a contract 
I've learned to take an advance for the services I render first before embarking on a project. These are all things that I have learned along the way. It is not uh, something that I knew because I did not come from a business background. Remember, I came to this from the place of a journalist. And I also came to it because uh, Shwetnag, inherently, I have a deep sense of respect for artists. So I also, I think, worked in this space because I connected with them and I made them feel like I was going to really help them. And uh, uh, I was not here only to build my brand or only to make money, but I was here to amplify their brand. But by doing so, I had to get paid as well. So I think that uh, it has taken me a lot of hard work, um, a lot of uh, convincing, uh, a lot of patience, a lot of endurance to get to where I am. But I think that what has definitely helped is that um, as an organization, I am very, very sensitive to my clients who are artists in this case. And for me, at artists are finally the bosses. So uh, there are some cases where I would have done something even for free because I do believe very much that uh, life is strange, that if we do something good at some point, there, there is a payback. And I also have, uh, I also feel that I often try to always in the context of a project value add, I always give something for free, something that they did not expect. So they come back to me because they recognize that I'm not by drawing up a contract, I'm not just uh, suddenly like scoping my work and I'm being very rigid about it because we need to understand that this is a different space. After all, it took a lot of time for me to explain this to my chartered accountant because he would be like, why are you doing this? And like, and I would tell him that we are, I'm speaking uh, a new language in a space that does not understand this language. And I have to uh, uh, be patient. And I have to do things a little bit for free initially to be able to finally get paid, right? So, yes. uh, and I think like uh, anybody who starts an initiative without any reference point, right? I didn't have a role model here. There was no alap for me to copy things from. I had to do this on my own. So we do make mistakes. We learn from those mistakes and then we see how we can get better. Today, what's your pitch? Uh, who should approach alap? If I ask you that way. I can tell you who approaches Alap. I think mostly we are uh, sought after by dancers from across different genres. Uh, bulk of dancers from Bharatanatyam. And dancers reach out to us because um, if you look at the very nature of the classical arts itself, um, a dancer who is also a teacher invariably and wants to put out a show has to do a whole bunch of things. She has to choreograph and create the work. She has to work with her students, rehearse the production, ensure that it is top notch. Then she has to ensure that she gets funding. Then she needs to ensure that it has a great, uh, uh, you know, it has a great title, a great name. The production is, um, has got a good story to market. Then she needs to market the whole thing. Then, it, then she needs to ensure she gets publicity and press for it. Then she needs to now... Uh, speak on the digital medium to ensure there are enough likes and followers and all of that. So imagine one person having to do this. So Alap works as an arts management company where we basically work with dancers and help them offload all aspects other than the main creative and dancing aspect to us. So we help them with branding, with communication, with social media marketing, with publicity, with press, with event management, all of this. So some artists um, come to us for end to end. Some artists come to us only for a creative collaboration and they say, hey, look, can you just help me with only communication? Somebody else comes to me and says, can you just help me with design? Because design is a very big um, component of Alap as well. Some people just come to us because they want um, help with content and with a brochure or something like that because content and design, again, are big strengths of Alap. So different people come to us. So typically people uh, who approach us are artists, mostly dancers, who are looking to amplify, uh, to spread the word about their own brand or productions that they are in the process of creating. Excellent. 
Yes, uh, that's the value add you're giving. How do you measure uh, the impact of ALAP in that case? You know, you know, my chartered accountant would tell me that every business in the fifth year, there's some shift that happens. And I would never trust him. And I would always be like, I want to shut. I'm tired. It's so exhausting and all of that. And he would always tell me, wait for five years. Just be patient for five years. And I don't know how, but literally after the fifth year, I stopped scouting around. People started scouting for Alap. It is like I don't actually now go and reach out to an artist and say, hey, can I do something for you? Hey, can I do something for you? People call us. I just sit quiet. People reach out to Alap saying that they have something. And I'm not saying this at all from a point of view of pompousness at all. I'm just saying that we've reached a certain point where we've built value and built a certain reputation and those who see value in us and the fact that we can make a difference are reaching out to us and we are happy to work with them because I feel that it's half the battle is already won right there's no haggling to do because they are reaching out to you and they already know that we are going to add value to what they already have so uh, I do think that we are uh, in the last three four years uh, definitely things have shifted and I definitely think that by God's grace, we're in a place where people reach out to us and those that we work with, we try to do whatever we can to make a very, very tangible difference. Um, did you ever hit a low point after starting Alap? How did you cope with it? I hit a low point all the time. Like I have good days and bad. Uh, and like they say that in a, in a marriage, if you have like uh, 20 good days and 10 bad days, then it's okay, you chug along. But if you have 20 bad days and 10 good days, then you then you file for a divorce. So it's like that. I think by and large so far, I have 20 good days in Alap and 10 bad days. And I use those bad days to uh, sulk and whine and vent and uh, get it out of my system. And then I am motivated enough to bounce back. Because every year, literally, at the closure of the year, I decide that I'm done and I want to shut Alap because um, it's too exhausting. The truth is it is exhausting because I work with individuals. I work with individual artists. You know how artists are. They're, uh, they're obviously like most of them are geniuses and genius always comes with a certain baggage. Uh, negotiating and navigating uh, an artist's mind is not easy. And also it is not a financially very, very rewarding space. Um, you know, artists, classical artists especially, they themselves hardly get paid. They are themselves, you know, fighting that case. So for somebody who's working with a classical artist, trying to make money and pay bills, can't be easy. Um, so I do have my uh, moments of low. Uh, but fortunately, the moments of high are so overwhelming that they compensate for the moments of low. Standing at today's uh, journey with Alap, did Alap change you as a person from 2012 or 11 when you quit uh, Times of India uh, and where you stand? What change did you see yourself as a person uh, or is it the same? Well, I didn't, ha didn't even have a strand of grey hair when I started Alap, but I went completely grey and I had to colour my hair. <laughs> so what you see is a completely like a different perv. So yeah, so I have definitely aged in the process of building Alap. I'd be lying if I said otherwise. Being an entrepreneur is a very, very lonely experience. Being a woman entrepreneur is a very challenging experience. Because unlike a male entrepreneur who has a wife, often a woman entrepreneur does not have a wife. So I am the primary caregiver at home. And I have to make my business work where I am the boss. So I'm constantly shifting between uh, being uh, on top of things on the home front and being the boss and completely composed and, you know, in control in Alap. So it has definitely changed me in a way that it has been the greatest teacher ever. And it's been fantastic because since I work with people, who better to teach you than people? Alap has taught me so much about human relationships, about the fragility of human egos, about the importance of human endurance, about the importance of patience, about the importance of perseverance, about uh, not expecting anything for what you do, about believing that uh, if you give, life will give back at some point. 
it's been a great teacher i have definitely for if not for anything i think i've come out i will come out of it stronger and i think it's uh, definitely also taught me as a human being just because of the number of people that i've worked with and whatever definitely qualities of how i do not want to be as i go go along in life so it's been a great teacher fantastic um when you go to alap website and go to these options and there is something called the journal you know and i really loved this concept for one reason akila is that uh, you didn't just put all these artists online in the last one year you know you documented it so well it's not only their pictures you just said on which series if it is a love series if it is some other series you just tagged them there and where they performed and cataloging an artist at that level you know shows the kind of organizing abilities you are always talking about be it on your tedx uh, talk be it now how did this concept and you know it's not easy work uh, to catalog and organize artists on online can you talk something about that yeah so the journal that you're talking about is the gratitude journal Shwetnag the gratitude yes. journal was created only last year in the year of the pandemic basically the gratitude journal was my way of recognizing and thanking all the artists who were a part of all the initiatives of alap that we organized last year in the year of the pandemic so all of last year alap organized a whole host of events in the online space and um, when i uh, when we somewhere midway i felt that i had to uh, just raise a toast to all these artists who came forward to share their arts on alap's platform because obviously nobody was getting paid i wasn't making any money out of it the artists were giving their art for free and i felt that i had to um, recognize them for the time and effort and the generosity with which they had shared the arts and i felt that the year of the pandemic also uh, was a year uh, where we all learned lessons in the importance of gratitude so we created something called the gratitude journal sometime in october and i basically chronicled all the artists who were a part of all our online events and i put it into that journal and i also uh, collated a whole bunch of quotes that are inspired by the idea of gratitude because i wanted for it to become a sort of one stop shop where if you go and you look at it many years later 20 years later you know uh, if my child wants to go back and see what his mother did then he can go there and he will know that in 2020 in the year of the pandemic these many people shared their arts on the alap platform and here here they are and one person was part of a the love series another was part of the her series another was a photographer another was a lighting designer so it's basically just a a the an effort to document it and an effort to raise a toast to the generosity of the artists and it also became a good archive of sorts because i um uh found a little more time than i did uh than i have ever because of work from home last year so i managed to use the time a little more diligently to consolidate and uh, and sort of compile Uh, this into a into the gratitude journal that one alone is enough for a person outside alap uh, who have not got your services the kind of work and quality of work you do can you talk about this design team you know especially the designers who are supporting you with this work how do you go about your packaging design it's so unique with the color combinations and the fonts you use can you talk about it i've always believed that visual identity is very very crucial for a brand when you close your eyes and you think of any brand say bmw or hll or something you know or you think of maggi you close your eyes you get the logo of maggi in your mind right that's the power of the brand and i think journalism because i work closely on producing a paper every day in terms of design visual identity was a very important aspect for me when i created alap and in many ways when i designed the logo of alap when i had a designer design the logo i think that that determined if you see the logo of alap it's it's a beautiful logo in black with a with an accent on top and i think it sort of represents a certain sense of tradition meets contemporary 
meets modern meets free flowing all of that and i think that a logo or a good design determines it's the first thing you see so it automatically speaks so i've been very very conscious about um, the design aspect so i have a full time designer who's worked with me all through the last 8 years and we work very very closely in um, she helps in really translating um an idea into a visual form and i think that that is very crucial because i think alab's design like you rightly said and thank you for that alab's designs do stand out because we understand that um uh, that a good design is very very is a very powerful tool for communication and today of course uh, because of uh, the intervention of a whole bunch of uh, self designing tools everyone is becoming a designer and i'm not a really big fan of uh, the entire um, for lack of another word the blog culture that has set in right because today you see everyone's becoming a writer everyone's becoming a designer because you can use apps and you can create but i still think that there is great value in specialists i do believe that um, someone who has studied design formally someone who understands uh, how a good design can be used how a good design can tell a story itself um, has a very powerful role to play and i think that uh, i recognize that and my my designer is a specialist in that so definitely alaps visual identity is very very crucial for the brand it's interesting you say this because just yesterday or the day before said gordon who is one of the marketing gurus he spoke about the same topic on his uh, blog where he said design has become so commoditized uh, in the name of it everyone is doing but no it comes with certain value aspects to that which only the designers can do it it's very interesting that you touched upon the same point uh, can you tell us about your team i have always kept my team really small and uh, at this point i'm almost solo so i don't okay. have a team Okay. I only work with a designer and I have a chartered accountant. And I have a couple of interns who help me uh with some basic work in terms of you know running a workshop or something like that. Now uh, my decision to go solo happened last year Shwetna when uh, the pandemic year came in and I realized that um in some ways I uh, was seeking a certain freedom uh where I didn't want to have uh the perhaps the the added responsibility of paying bills for a whole bunch of people and therefore having to compromise and end up taking projects that do not do justice to my work ethic right um so i used to have a fairly um um small team um, of about 4 5 people uh, and then of course fortunately or unfortunately most of the people who join alap are those interested in dance so they invariably join me for a couple of years learn the ropes and then move on to pursue their careers in dance they're mostly dancers um but last year i went solo and it's been one of the most fulfilling experiences for me because i'm a solo entrepreneur in the true sense of the word and um, it it is um, extremely uh, freeing and it's extremely empowering at the same time i get to make my own decisions uh i get to set my own um, uh bar i get to um, say that okay this month i want to make this much money for example and i will work towards it um or this month i'm going to take it easy i'm going to read and i'm going to see what i can do i i'm going to compile uh, the gratitude journal i'm going to do so many archival projects that i don't find the time for which i may not have had the luxury of doing if i have two people that i have to pay salaries to now is this a good business model maybe not but it works for me uh, and until such time that the market situation improves also because you see we've completely gone online this year and until we go back to physical spaces where you need more hands and feet to run around and do work i'm going to remain this way if things change and when they do i will go back to finding a team again If you were to start all up in a city other than Chennai where would it be and why Maybe Bangalore because I just did a story in, um, I also work as a journalist so I just wrote a piece recently on how uh, Bangalore is emerging as the second capital of Bharatanatyam and I find that city so fantastic it's incidentally my hometown as well um as if my mother belongs to Bangalore and um 
uh, yeah so maybe bangalore or north america because i think both have very vibrant uh, dance communities and i find that the the nature of the community there is very very positive elevating and uplifting of each other and it's inherently a collaborative sort of spirit which i really really uh, feel that i could uh, be a part of and rub shoulders with in a sense from an entrepreneur point of view what is one thing that badly needs to change in this field i think uh, a whole bunch of changes are uh, needed for uh, the industry itself to uh, to gain more um, i can't say recognition but for example if you look at cinema right there's a certain status that it enjoys um so i think that uh, uh, from a uh content perspective and i see that 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 a lot of it is happening in the classical arts uh the need to create content that is more accessible by a larger cross section of people that needs to happen um i do think that um we need to start recognizing and i speak for myself as well uh that uh, audiences and i am a member of the audience as well needs to recognize that we definitely need to pay for the arts and nothing can be free uh and that we have to create a culture of anything that we consume uh we have to pay for it and i think um, it could uh, artists could do well in also recognizing the importance of arts management companies like mine that uh, really will um help um not just amplify their brand but also in some ways create ethical working processes uh in a space that is that remains largely unorganized for example just getting a poster done from your student or like you know um you know one of the students father will sponsor it uh you know collecting funds from uh, all the students will put in money and somehow struggle and somehow make a show happen i think those shifts need to happen and also i think definitely corporates need to start um seeing uh, the arts and culture as an important um uh, uh, component that they could add to their csr initiatives like we could think of something called a ccr which is corporate cultural responsibility and see how we can incorporate arts and culture into the corporate scheme of things i think that would automatically first of all economically will all everyone will uh, uh you know get paid better and therefore that's important for the ecosystem per se so i think these are some of the things that need to definitely shift so content from artists audiences recognizing that they have to uh, pay for everything that they consume the importance and role of arts management companies uh, the importance of a certain corporatization of the arts in a certain way and also for corporates to understand that arts and culture is very crucial for development of a nation and to invest in it significantly uh and make it a part of like education is often a part of a csr activity but culture or arts never features in it so to see if there are ways in which uh, it can be added on to their scheme of things excellent excellent very well said very you have touched upon all important points akila i really uh, concur with what you said really good points the last question uh, for this you know what's your message to other young entrepreneurs entering this field I think I'd say that um being an entrepreneur in the arts calls for a different kind of skin. You don't have a product that you're selling. You're not offering a product. You're offering a service. You're offering service and consulting to individual artists who all have different needs and desires and dreams. And so it's important to understand um who they are where they are coming from and customize solutions for them from the space that they are in so i think what it needs is a great sense of empathy and uh, to understand the importance of trust because you're working with human beings and you can't afford to take you know they're trusting you with their vulnerabilities and you can't afford to like take that for granted at all um so to recognize that um um that when you want to become an entrepreneur in the space of the arts you cannot compare yourself with another entrepreneur so many of my friends who are entrepreneurs who sell clothes or who sell shoes or who have a hair salon or who are baking even 
are probably more successful than me financially speaking so um, you definitely need to become an entrepreneur in the classical art space if you get excited by the power of the intangible you have to have that sense of wonderment and you have to definitely feel that your bank account is not going to get like really full but if you're able to thrive on the power of the intangible and you recognize that you're growing as a brand and that one day this will translate into something big that will pay back financially then yes so it needs that kind of an endurance so in some ways an arts entrepreneur is somebody who is playing a huge part in paving the way for a larger success which is somewhere far away which is unlike any other entrepreneurial journey where you kind of i start selling and then i sell my clothes and i make money and i find an investor and it's like you know big brand i have three i open three retail stores no arts entrepreneurs have to come into the fray because they are going to become part of a larger collective that will one day see the realization of a big dream so i think patience empathy perseverance um understanding that you cannot compete with other entrepreneurs in different businesses um i think these are key things one must recognize before one forays into the space itself yeah so very well put takla again uh, thank you so much for sharing your journey sharing the insights of alap and telling where the challenges were how you overcame and what alap is adding value to the society i think i it, i think i take this opportunity to really uh, thank you for you know fueling the ecosystem around the arts you know as much as art is needed the ecosystem around to fuel those and whatever you, the services offered by alap is so unique i think you need to continue this journey and uh, you will definitely stand role models for many young entrepreneurs coming and i hope uh, this uh, message from you will be loud and clear to them and thank you so much uh, for your time It was really a pleasure, and uh, I learned so much. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me and for giving me this honor. Like I said, and for uh, oh my God, I spoke for an hour almost. Thank you so much, and um, you know, I think uh, just being able to reflect on my journey also is interesting for me because it uh, makes me also often think about why I did what I did and how I can do some things differently because of the questions that you asked. So I appreciate uh, um, you giving me this opportunity. So thank you so much. Thank you, Akila. So I hope you really enjoyed this episode and got insights into Akila's journey and the story of Ala. It was truly inspiring. We will catch up soon on our next episode where we speak to a very special guest who makes documentaries on performing arts. Keep guessing until then stay safe and have a nice week ahead thank you